And I am just glad that uh, we get this opportunity. I'd like to start this morning with a little bit of a story. Marcus and Mary grew up in the city. Marcus is four years younger than his sister, Mary. Uh, When they were still in school, they lost a brother to an illness no one could figure out. Their home life was a mess. They spent time with friends to find peace. Why the suffering? Marcus and Mary both worked in the family business. Dad saw everyone in the city as a customer. It was a constant struggle because of racial tension and violence. Marcus and Mary saw the the business suffer because they were open to everyone. Other businesses weren't. They'd only serve certain kinds of people. Why can't people get along? An earthquake hit and their shop was leveled. Marcus and Mary spent three years rebuilding the shop and the business. They worked hard. Marcus and Mary felt the depression that hung over the city. Why does this stuff happen? Some of the people they grew up with seemed to change for the worst. Waiting for winter to end, they were wondering if things would ever change for the better. On a Monday, Marcus and Mary did something unusual. They went on a supply run to the market together to talk about things. As they walked through the shops, they noticed that something was happening. Everywhere they turned, people were buzzing with chatter. One corner was lit up with stories about healing miracles. Another corner was even louder with stories about people who'd been heavy with spiritual darkness now being freed from it and full of joy. Still other shops were filled with chatter about Romans, Greeks, and Jews sharing meals together. Something about a new way of living, uh, the way of love. At every turn, Marcus and Mary heard the name of Jesus. New life given by Jesus. New freedom because of Jesus. A new loving spiritual community of people following the way of Jesus. We've been thinking and praying about what it means for us to be a group of believers, a spiritual family, a local church, following the example of those who heard Jesus and, and followed Jesus. And the story of Marcus and Mary is taken straight out of the history pages and the pages of the New Testament of the city of Ephesus and what was happening there. And I think it's a great backdrop for us to talk about five values for us as a church family. But all of it is just based on this simple foundation. We see Acts chapter 10, verse 43. Everyone who believes in Him, in Jesus, will have their sins forgiven through His name. That's where it all starts. That's where it all starts. That's where the change that's happened in my life For many of us here as we've shared our stories, that's the change that's happened in our lives. And what is it? It's God saved you by His grace when you believed. You can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. So everything we do in a wholehearted response to God is out of a thank you. 
What we are, who we are, what we value, what we do as a church family is not to earn favor from God. That's already happened, and not because of anything we've done, but because of Jesus. But out of a thank you, we have a chance to be different, to think different, to think new, and to act new. And I want us to start to think about these phrases. We believe. We care. We act. So five values for us as a church, and, and for Rebecca and I as we over sabbatical, you know, we, we spent a lot of time in prayer, a lot of time in reading and writing, a lot of time in going back 13 years to everything that God originally put in our heart, the dream that God put in our heart for this church family, what God revealed to us about what He wanted for City Harbor in Baltimore City. And so I just want to share some things that maybe we haven't talked about this plainly in the past. So we respond with a wholehearted love for God and a sacrificial love for our neighbors. That's a simplicity, right? It starts with the good news of Jesus. That's why we'll say loving God and loving people. And then for us, when we think about our purpose, it's where we get this phrase, helping people take next steps in following Jesus. Now some of these values we're going to talk about are not the same for all churches, but they are for us in particular as we're following the example of Jesus and the first followers of Jesus. The first value I want to talk about today. Well, uh, let me just talk about all five in one sentence. We aim to be a gospel-centered. That means we're focused on Jesus, focused on the good news of Jesus. That's what that means. We aim to be a gospel-centered, healthy, spirit-filled, multi-ethnic, local church in urban Baltimore. It's a way of expressing we believe, we care, we act some purpose. It's not just, hey, let's get bigger, let's become bigger. It's not anything like that, but it's, hey, we found purpose in Jesus, and from the words of Jesus, we find specific ideas about how we should live and what we should do. And for us, perfect, particularly here at City Harbor, I want to start with the value urban. We're in the heart of the city for the heart of the city. 13 years ago when God put the dream of this church in our hearts, He specifically told us to go into the heart of the city. Into the heart of Baltimore City. For us, it's a particular value. And a part of that came from what we saw in the New Testament and what was happening there. And it's not the same for all churches, but it is a value for us. And I think it's important for us to occasionally be clear on it. We're in the heart of the city for the heart of the city. We value the renewal of Baltimore City through local churches. It's something that we value. Now why? Well, we see that Jesus and His followers first were sharing the good news throughout their area and in the middle of cities. And I'm going to give you notes today that have a lot more than we're going to have time to walk through right now so that you can get a sense of what I'm talking about here. And here you see on the screen some of the cities and the Scripture references of how this early church of Jesus, really cities were strategic. Cities were strategic. It's where there was a higher concentration of people, a greater number of people in a smaller area. It's also where thoughts and views and, and beliefs about spirituality 
were centered and the ideas and the spirituality flowed from. And what we'd seen in human history is that the Greeks had come through and they'd conquered a bunch of people and they taught everybody their language and their culture around discussing ideas. And then the Romans came through and they conquered and they established roads and they established citizenship and they established military dominance but also military protection. And what happened was Jesus came at the perfect time when a whole region was talking in the same language or many people understood this language, and where travel was now safer than it was before. So it was easier, more efficient, quicker for them to spread the good news of Jesus. God orchestrated history. And now we live in a global city. There's people from most of the nations of the world somewhere in this region, right? We're in that. Cities are culturally upstream. And so for us in particular, being an urban church is a value. It's something that we see in the New Testament. So we're in the heart of the city, for the heart of the city, and we value the renewal of Baltimore City through local churches. Let's have a look at a scripture. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble. He rescued them from their distress. This is from Psalm 107. A scripture that God used where the words leapt off the pages to me and are a part of the reason for the name of our church, a part of the dream that God put in our hearts to begin with. He, God, led them straight to safety, to a city where they could live. What a blessing was that stillness as he brought them safely into harbor. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and the wonderful things he has done for them. So urban, we are an urban church. We have that focus. We're also a multi-ethnic church. It's a value for us, and I want to talk about that. God makes beautiful people who are, be- who are better together. God makes beautiful people who are better together. We value the racial and socioeconomic diversity of Baltimore City and have a particular heart for a local church culture of a celebrated equality and mutual respect. We value a church culture of celebrated equality and mutual respect. We want to value and honor those positive things about each of us that are great and are unique without any one group of people being dominant over another, without washing away those valuable, wonderful things about us which are unique, and celebrated equality and mutual respect. If you read the New Testament and you pay attention, it is all throughout the church culture in the New Testament. Jesus' words, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all the nations. If you look at the original language, what it means is urge people of all ethnicities to become my followers. It's right in the words of Jesus. We're following the example of the Christian church in Antioch who became a cohesive, healthy, spiritual family as Jesus' followers seen in Acts 11, 19-30. This is the first place where people were called Jesus' followers. It's the first place. It's the place where the word Christian came from. And what we see in that church is that they did not allow unique characteristics of race, ethnicity, culture, economy, or education to keep them from becoming a unified group. They took action to help others across such lines. We come together and build relationships with each other as a church family where each person has value, 
identity, and purpose. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. Right? It's one of our values. It's something we see in the example of the local church. So urban, multi-ethnic, spirit-filled. Again, not for every church is this going to be a value. For us, from what we see in Jesus' followers, it is a value. If you have come into this church and come through one of our small groups and come through relationships, you've probably had an opportunity to learn about Jesus through a little book that has a bunch of questions organized into 52 short lessons with questions and Scripture references to look them up. And in there, you find one of the lessons, four of the lessons, on the person of God the Holy Spirit and what we believe about God the Holy Spirit. And I have found, sadly enough, that it is important for us to explicitly state that we value being a Spirit-filled church. Why? God is alive today and at work through us. We value the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit for ministry today. It's true. Let's turn to the Scripture. Jesus said this to His followers. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He's the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Jesus talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus again, I will send the Holy Spirit just as my Father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power from heaven. Jesus is telling His followers, after I've resurrected, when I return to my Father, don't take off to do stuff. Wait until you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says it's essential. Jesus says it's vital. And it's so important. I don't know how many times I have seen myself run out of energy because I'm trying to do things out of my own strength. Run out of inspiration because I'm trying to go on my ideas. That's not the plan of God. God the Holy Spirit is speaking today. God the Holy Spirit has ideas. I don't need to go just on my own ideas. God the Holy Spirit has energy and virtue and strength and vitality like rivers of living water that can come and flow out of my innermost being. When I open myself up completely and say, God the Holy Spirit, have your way with me with every area of my life. God the Holy Spirit, I receive you completely without limitation. God the Holy Spirit, fill me to overflowing with your power. We believe it. It's a value for this church. Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And what happened in Acts chapter 2? It was fulfilled. Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. So we are a church, urban, multi-ethnic, spirit-filled, and healthy. Now we're not saying that this is what you should be when you walk in the door. But we are saying that as a church, this is what we value. This is what we desire. This is what we want. This is where we are going. This is a stated part of what we believe we should be moving towards, what we care about, and what we're going to take action in the direction of. We want to head this direction. And what do I mean by that? God brings healthy lives into healthy relationships. When you receive a relationship with Jesus that is transformative, Something changes. 
God gives you new spiritual life. And that then affects all your relationships. And yet what we find is that it doesn't happen by magic in a moment. That there is a process to it. And that means we need to know what our problems are in order to help God and in order to open ourselves up to how God wants to fix them, right? How God wants to bring healing. How God wants to bring us to full health. The word peace, that shalom in Hebrew, that erene in Greek, that's what it means. It's referring to God bringing to full health, to full function, to full even things that are complex is in the word peace, God bringing completion to what's missing, healing to what's hurt, repair, and bringing us to full peace. So we believe God brings healthy lives into healthy relationships. We value the integration of spiritual and emotional health. We do. We value this. And that's where we do Celebrate Recovery. That's where we use uh, emotionally healthy spirituality, emotionally healthy leaders, That's where emotionally healthy relationships from Pastor Pete Casero. This is a value that we see in Scripture. It's a part of what we believe, what we care about, and where we are going. Am I talking too fast? Okay. Maybe it's just still, we need more caffeine. All right. Now, the love of Jesus gives us spiritual strength. And we are now free to live in new ways. Receiving the guidance of the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to shape new ways of thinking and new ways of feeling. This is a part of what all what Marcus and Mary would have been going through. What they would have experienced if they turned to Jesus. This is a part of the miracle of what happened in cities with local church families of people that were transformed by Jesus. It also, we see very explicitly, they were encouraged to, they needed to make a decision to allow the Holy Spirit to shape new ways of thinking, new ways of of feeling. It's bringing us to health, peace, joy, and love. It's something that we value. We follow the example of the local early church in their high value on loving respect and equality. I've got more on this on the notes for you. So urban, multi-ethnic, spirit-filled, healthy, and missional. Hmm, what the heck does that mean? God's love gives, and so we serve the needs of our city neighbors. We have been blessed to be a blessing with salvation through Jesus. So being changed, we should have a courageous generosity value system But what's the foundation of it? Where does it start and what does Jesus say the priority should be? We value the mission of God in word and deed. That's that's a mouthful right there. We are not here to invent our own ideas. We're not here to attend an event that makes us feel like we're better people. We're here to be changed by God through Jesus and then out of a thank you to do something about it. And when we're going to go and do something about it, God doesn't say, come up with your own ideas. God is already at work. God already has things he's doing. God already has things he's explained to us that he values. It's important for us to understand that. We value the mission of God in word and deed. Fulfilling the great commission, that's Jesus saying, go urge as many people as possible, all kinds of people to become Jesus' followers. 
and the great commandments, which is love God with the best of your energy and love your neighbor as yourself. We value those through local churches. Let's get just a little bit of scripture here. The message that Jesus wanted communicated, first and foremost, lots of us get things that we're excited about that we want to talk about first and foremost. But it doesn't go very far if we don't start with what Jesus said. Communicate this first and foremost. And this is what Jesus said we should communicate first and foremost. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. Wow. Wow. So maybe... What is first and foremost on my mind shouldn't be this political ideology, this issue around COVID, this issue around race, this, this issue about education, this issue about so, sociological problems. Maybe the first thing that should be on my mind is there's forgiveness of sins for all who repent. If that's what's first and foremost in my mind, COVID should not have taken away my sense of humor. Hello? If I know that I'm forgiven of my sins, I can laugh. I can laugh at myself. I can laugh at the problems in life. I can laugh. It, the, what, what I have found is by thanking God for my salvation every day, I, I can laugh. And you know the surefire way that I see people that are self-righteous or worn out or not focused on their salvation in a healthy way is that they can't laugh. They take themselves too seriously. They take the problems of the world too seriously. What's the worst that can happen? You go to heaven. Hello? Listen, and I'm not lacking compassion for if you are sitting there feeling like I've lost my sense of humor. Before sabbatical, that was me. Halfway into sabbatical, I'm, I'm weeping in the morning because I realized I'd forgotten how to laugh. I had lost my genuine, authentic friendliness. It happens. I said IT, just in case through the mask. It happens. It drains out of us. We drift to complexity. We drift into focusing on external things. We drift into things that are out of our control. It's a part of being a human. It happens. But if my focus is I've been forgiven of my sins, then I'm not focused on the sins of others. I'm focused on what Jesus wants to do in their life. And then no matter how they treat me, no matter what they do to me, I'm focused on what Jesus wants to do in their life. And the message that Jesus wanted communicated first and foremost, there is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. That repentance involves life change, of course. If you're in that place today, receive healing from God. Go back to that place of just confessing where you've been wrong. Receiving forgiveness from God and letting God bring your sense of humor back. It's joy. It's peace. We believe that God wants us to make this way of living available to more people each year. I feel the need to just say that. I'm like reading this stuff into the record today for us as a church. It's straight out of the Bible. This is what we value. This is what we believe. And that's why we're going to take action. We will help people 
take next steps in following Jesus in ways, watch this now, because this is straight out of the Scripture, in ways that are as simple and effective as possible. The early church followers did whatever they could do to strip away unnecessary religious hurdles. You're going to strip away unnecessary religious hurdles so that Jesus would be the only stumbling block. Jesus would be the only point of repentance. They were focused on that. And for us as a church family, I know there's some of you that have been annoyed by some of the things about me. And some of the things that you've been annoyed about are actually directly related to where I've tried to strip away things that are unnecessary obstacles to Jesus. This church should be a culture of grace, a culture of love to anybody who walks in the door. All are welcome here. All are welcome here. To come to find and follow Jesus. Our focus is on Jesus. Our focus is on following Jesus. And we've got to be constantly doing so in ways that are as simple and effective as possible. We're motivated by the compassion of Jesus. We choose a lifestyle of courageous generosity, which is to say, I believe that God has already blessed me with His best. Even if I don't have enough money, even if I have pain, even if I, God has already blessed me with Jesus, with salvation, and so I'm going to choose to live on less of my own time, energy, and money so that I can be generous. And certainly we wouldn't exist if not for the generous financial donations of the people here in the room. And that gives us a chance to take strategic steps and to be a witness for Jesus and the cause of Christ. But it's also supposed to be a lifestyle for us. Two times in the past week, I went to do a necessary errand. And there were things that happened that were out of my control and I wasn't able to do the necessary errand. And I could have been totally focused on that and frustrated by that. But in one of the situations, it gave me an opportunity to help somebody in another guy in roadside assistance with a car that was broken down and to stay with him until his car was back started and moving. Do I not have enough margin in my life to represent Jesus? I got to structure how I'm going to spend my time, my energy, and my money so I have the margin to be generous. It's a choice, and it involves that cuss word, budget. Okay. It's an old joke. I've said it so many times. So we choose a lifestyle of courageous generosity and working together, meeting the needs of others, right? Following the examples of the early church. God's direction for us to and value on meeting the practical needs of the poor. 14 months of covid 1.4 million pounds of groceries we gave away. Meeting the practical needs of the poor and rebuilding areas of urban decay is seen in all these scriptures. It was God's heartbeat. It was what God cared about. It was a part of God's purpose for humanity. And the followers of God in the Old Testament, the followers of Jesus in the New Testament took action in this direction because they recognized it as part of God's value system. So, our five values, urban, multi-ethnic, 
spirit-filled, healthy, and missional. These are not all the things we care about. These are not all our priorities. But these are five things that are particular about our church that I want to read into the record, that I want to give you an opportunity to put your hands on, that I want to give us an opportunity to learn about, think about, care about, so that we can start to say we believe, we care, and so we act. It's not just, it's let's join the cause of Christ, bringing people to Jesus, because in that there's real change in everything that we do, in everything that we interact. When we say helping people take next steps in following Jesus, we have a sense of understanding what that means and why we're headed that direction. I have the worship band come at this time. Now I know that you may be in a place of of great need this morning. I know that you might be in a place of waiting to see God move. And I want to say, God is moving. God is providing. God cares about your need. God cares about the state of your heart. But We've got to become aware of the state of our heart, aware of the problem and the challenge, then lay that before the Lord in honesty, not ignoring those things, not ignoring what we're thinking and what we're feeling, but honestly laying those things before the Lord and giving God an opportunity to say something about it. Giving God an opportunity to do something about it. And in all of the verses, and I'm going to hand out the notes and distribute them to you, in all of that, what you see is real people who open themselves up to God. And God did miracles. And here's what I believe. God has done amazing things in this church. Thursday night, we heard mind-blowing testimonies about how personally transformative and helpful and meaningful life groups have been. That's our our relationships with each other. And I've emailed out to everybody a recording of that meeting. If you had to miss it, please don't miss that. Amazing personal stories. God has done something amazing among us where people go, wow. God is doing something amazing among us that's causing people to go, wow. Wow. God will do something amazing among us that causes people to go, wow. Obviously not that their focus would be on us, but that their focus would be on Jesus.